Hi, I'm glad you're here. And um, I want to talk about uh, our, just our travels through life and just this, this concept that uh, the journey is, is the destination. And um, I want to dedicate uh, this class to the memory of, of, my, uh, of my dear friend uh, Chuck Chasen, um, who just, uh, just left the world. Um, in fact, his, his funeral is going on uh, now, basically. And, um, and I can't be there right now because um, we're, we're doing the talk. But, but uh, let me just tell you something about um, Chuck, because he was an awesome guy. And, uh, and it will be a springboard, really, into, into the topic that uh, I want to get into. Um, some, some very deep ideas. Just um, And uh, anyway, let's just start. So... so so I, I had a, I didn't grow up religious, and there's certain aspects of Jewish culture which, um, you know, it's not really actually the, the the religious culture. Meaning to say, it's not sort of like uh, you know the the performance of actually the details of, of of the observances and the the Torah study, but just sort of like things that come with that on just a societal level. And what I'm talking about is old men drinking schnapps after the prayer session in the morning during the week. You know, and that's something that I wasn't exposed to growing up, but it's a, it's a, it's, it's something that uh, I've, I've had the privilege to see. We, I, 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 I dive in, in a very small minion that we're lucky to get ten, and often we have to pull from another minion in order to, to get the minion, and um, and the two driving forces of it are really these two people, um, Larry and Chuck. Larry is uh, 95, and Chuck is 85, and they both come every single morning and. They, they, uh, they lead the prayer service, and they're, they're amazing people, and, um, and then they have a, a drink and a cookie afterwards. They sit by this bench, and they'll tell stories about growing up, or read jokes that they've downloaded from the internet, or just talk about whatever it is. And Chuck, who's the 85-year-old, who's the, 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 the younger of the two, but is strong like an ox, and in the time that I've known him, he's had, I think, two strokes and both times was hospitalized and then came back and just just nothing could knock him out. Um, and then this week, this week, uh, he, he passed away. And it was very, very sudden. He was in shul in the beginning of the week. In the middle of the week, he had been, he had been put into a home. And then he was gone. So, I mean, and I, I was sharing with, with the people that I had... I have a mental picture of him leaving shul for, for the last time. And it's this like little room where, where, where the services are held. And I'm sure that he didn't know that that was the last time that he was going to be leaving shul. And yet, there you, there you have it, you know. And it just it's, keeps on popping into my head the, the title of Warren Zevon's last album. Um, a great, uh, great singer-songwriter, if you don't know his work. And... Um, he was terminally ill when he finished his last album, and he titled it uh, "Enjoy Every Sandwich," um, which is, you know, I saw Chuck walking out, and you never know, you never know. And uh, anyway, so so I want to I want to just share this thing that happened to me. It's kind of a freaky thing, but but I present it to you, and I know this is a true story because it happened to me. So it was, uh, this just happened on Friday. So this happened to me two days ago. Um, so Chuck has 
a long Hebrew name, and I, uh, I wanted to make sure when, when I heard that he was put into this home, and then, you know, he suddenly was put into life support, and so I wanted to make sure that I was praying for him, and I wanted to make sure that I had his name down accurately, and so I, I, I got the name in Shul, and I, I put it on my, my phone um, so that I would have it there so that I could uh, memorize it. And then, um, and then, so that I would look at it, I put it, uh, I put it, uh, an alarm on it, and then I put it on the function that it should repeat every single day, so that it would be there till I learned it, and it would just come up on its own. So I did that on Wednesday, and so it was there on Wednesday, and I, and it reappeared again on, uh, Thursday, and then on Friday, uh, I went to work and I got a call from someone in the Minion and they said, um, you know, I have sad news for you. Uh, Chuck has passed away. And we had heard that it was serious, but, you know, it came fast. So, you know, I hung up the phone and my first thought was, you know something, I'm going to I'm going to take it off uh, the, my, my cell phone. And so. What I did was I, I, I looked at it and I looked at the Friday setting and it, and it wasn't there. His name wasn't there. And I thought, that's, that's strange because I, I made sure that it should repeat every single day. And then I, I went back to Thursday, which was the day that he passed away, Thursday night, and it was there. And then I checked the setting and it said, repeat every day. And then I saw that there was another line there, which I didn't, which I hadn't noticed, which was repeat every day till Thursday, which was the day that he passed away. So a very strange, a very strange thing. Um, but there you have it, you know. And what, what does it mean? Maybe it means that that was his time. It's a sign that that was his time. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, um, so so I, I, I told you that that would be a springboard into what I wanted to discuss today. And, and it really is our journeys through life. And we're finishing right now. We just finished uh, Sefer Bamidbar, the book of Numbers. And you have to understand something. There, there are many different paradigms to understanding the, the structure of the Torah. One of them is, is, that, is that this is the end of the Torah itself. Meaning to say, the first four books of the Torah were given to us by Hashem. The last book of the Torah, Sefer Devarim, is from Moshe Rabbeinu. But it's part of the five books of the Torah. Now, why, is it, why isn't that not considered Sefer Moshe? Like we have Sefer Yoshua, right? So why not call um, the last book of the Torah Sefer Moshe? And the reason is because after Moshe said it, Hashem said, good, now write it down. So, in other words, it has the status of coming from Hashem, even though the vehicle was it started with Moshe, and yet Moshe was delivering prophetically, the word of God, and God himself gave it the stamp of approval that this is from him, from God himself. So, um, so anyway, so it has, the status of, it has the status of the other books of the Torah. However, it has a special name. The last book of the Torah is called Mishnah Torah, which means the repetition of the Torah. 
And, and in that way, the fourth book of the Torah, when that ends, on some level, that can be viewed as the end of the Torah itself, if you approach it, if you approach it in that way. Now, the reason why that's significant, and the reason why I'm pointing that out, is because the last, the, the end of the Torah, as we understand it in this way, the end of the book of Numbers, of Sefer Midbar is an account of the 42 travels that the Jewish people took going from Egypt to Israel. So in other words, it's an account of all of the travels. Now these travels are very, very, very significant. And there are 42 of them. And we've discussed this on different levels over the years, but now I want to open up another way of understanding them, um, another approach. So just to kind of give a quick summary of some of the highlights of, of what we've known up until now about these 42 travels. First of all, you should know that Kabbalistically, there's a 42 name of Hashem, 42 letter name, letter long name of Hashem. Um, if you look at the prayer Anna B'Koyach, um, you can find out more about this name. And um, it's sort of like a name that's associated with miracles. So that's, that's just one thing to know. Another thing is there are all of these 42s throughout Torah. It's an amazing type thing. They're in the paragraph of the Via Hafta, the first paragraph of the Shema, that's 42 words long. The very first prayer of the Shemona Esrei, of the Amida, ending with Magen Avraham, starting with Baruch Hashem, is 42 words long. Um, Anna B'Koyach is 42 words long. There's all sorts of 42s. Um, but maybe most compellingly, there are 42 stops on the way from Egypt to Israel. And that is actually, so you have to understand Egypt as exile and Israel as redemption. And as such, these 42 stops are a microcosm of all of human history. It's not just that chapter in contemporary history. It was that. But it's also a microcosm of all of human history. In fact, if you look at the name of the 25th stop, it's a variant of the word uh, uh, Chashmonim. And the Vilna Gon points out, famously, everyone knows that Hanukkah is on the 25th of Kislev. So here the 25th stop in the desert is already correlating with Hanukkah. So you have... You have all sorts of amazing correlations here. And not only that, but it's also a microcosm of all of the journeys that we experience in our individual lives. The Baal Shem Tov says that each person has 42 stops in their personal life. Now, how do you understand what those 42 stops are? So I'd like to suggest that it's some amalgam of the geographical locations that you live, the jobs that you have, the relationships that you've had, the spiritual levels that you rise and fall from and rise again to, the teachers that you've had, and there's some, the children that you have, there's some, there's some combination, personalized algorithm for each person that will total 42. And so this is from the Baal Shem Tov. So we're seeing how these 42 stops are expressions of um, the journeys that we all take. If you want to look at something very, very interesting, I, I can't tell you the name of the person who said it, unfortunately. 
But the very opening words of the Torah, Ele, or of this Parsha, Ele Ma'asevine Yisrael, is in itself a microcosm of all the exiles that the Jewish people are going to go through. We know that there are four exiles. And if you look at the first letter of these four words, Ele, Aleph, is, is Edom. Mase is Madai. Vene, the base there, is Bavel. And Yisrael, the Yud there, is Yavan, Greece. So here you have, you know, the, the Torah, we are always saying it, it's, it's the blueprint of all of creation. And so there you have, in the, in the discussion of the journeys of the Jewish people, here you have all of the exiles, right, as the topic sentence, right in the very beginning of this discussion. So it's, it's quite amazing. Um, now, now I want to go more in depth. I want to go more in depth. So what we've set up until now is this idea that these 42 stops is something that encompasses everything on a personal level, on a micro level, and also on a macro level. Okay? But, but I want to point out something that I think is, that I think is really deep. For me, it was deep. You see, it's, it's significant to note that in the five books, that's the, that's the Torah itself, right? In the five books, uh, which, is, which is the, you know, culmination, the, the text, the text. In these five books, we never actually enter into Israel. There's a lot of discussion about, there's a lot of discussion about getting into Israel, and there's a lot of discussion of what's going to happen once we arrive in Israel, but the actual event of entering into Israel never happens. It never happens in the Torah itself. In the five, when I say the Torah, I'm talking about the five books right now, the Chumash. It never happens. So, why, why, is that, why is that meaningful? Why is that significant? Because there is no end. That's the point. There is no end. There is no closure. And even just on a strict narrative level, there is no closure. It's open-ended. And in fact, it occurred to me that if you actually look at, if you actually look at the, um, the end of the fifth book, Right? So, really what we would normally understand, the end of the actual Torah, because I'm, I'm suggesting to you, I mean, it's not my idea, I'm just telling you what our tradition is, that the Torah really has two endings. The, what we just did here, which is a conclusion of a discussion of all the travels, right? And then also, the actual end of the fifth book, right? If you look at the end of Sefer Devarim, how does it end? And you have to look at the Rashi to understand what the, what, the, what the verse is actually referring to. It ends with the smashing of the, of the tablets. You would think that's a very dramatic way to end the Torah, but it's not explicit. You have to understand, you have to look at the Rashi over there. But it's talking about the smashing of the end. Of, in other words, again, there's no closure. Or, we know that before, before Moshe smashed the luchos, smashed the tablets... The letters of the Torah itself, which was the essence of the tablets, went up and flew to heaven. And then he smashed them. So in other words, even the end of the Torah itself 
is talking about the liberation and the rising of the spirit, if you will. Right? So, so again, no closure. Right? It's, it's anti-closure. Now, that's, that's significant if you understand how that connects with this notion of the travels. Because what I'd like to suggest is, and I'll show you in, in different ways, is that when it's talking about the travels, it's more than just talking about from the time of exile to the time of when Mashiach comes. Or in our individual lives. That what it's really talking about, because there is no end, is the soul's infinite progression within the elevations of God Himself. In other words, the soul continues to travel and it never stops traveling. That's the point. We never stop exploring and rising through the infinity of God. That's why there's no discussion about entering into Israel. That's why there's no formal end to the story. Because our travels on a soul level never end. They never end. And if you look at the next letter, after the end of the Torah, if you will, right? If you want to say that it ends with the fourth book, right? The, the first letter of Sefer Devarim, the first letter of the fifth book is is the letter Aleph. Meaning to say that we continue to... Aleph, of course, is the gematria number one. And if you break it up, the letter Aleph is actually three letters, two yuds and above, which total 26, which is the numerical equivalent of the yudke vavke, the name of God. So in other words, where do we go? What's the next stop, if you will? Just travels through Hashem. Right? And interestingly, the last letter of the fourth book is the letter Vav. And the letter Vav stands for a person, man and woman alike. Each one of us is, is a depiction of the letter Vav. Or if you want to go deeper and imagine the name of Hashem, the Yudke Vavke, from top to bottom. Everybody knows the bottom He stands for Malchus, this world. And the upper letters represent the, the higher reaches, the heavenly realms. And the Vav is the human being which connects heaven and earth. So the last letter is the Vav, the human being, and the next letter of the next book is the Aleph, the travels of the human being through the infinity, through the infinity of Hashem. But you know something? You know what the first letter is? Now, don't think that every Parsha begins with the letter Aleph. Not that many do, right? The first letter of the, of the book of travels, right? This Parsha that we're in right now that introduces the travels is also the letter Aleph. Because this is actually the consciousness that we have to cultivate even more importantly during our lifetime right now. Which is that our, all of our travels right now are within God. We're surrounded by God and all of our travels are within God right now. It's not just and then we get to God. He's here right now. We're with Him right now. He's with us right now. And of course... You know, we know this unbelievable teaching, the Gemara brings it down, that Hashem is in the, the Shekhinah, Hashem's essence, if you will, or not essence, but a, a revealed aspect of Him, this, this very sort of spiritual notion that, that the Shekhinah goes in exile with the Jewish people. And in fact, I'll tell you something, an incredible story. The Rishon Rebbe, one of the great Hasidic masters, 
was thrown into jail. They cooked up some crazy thing about him. And it's a whole story in itself. It's not worth going into right now. But it was, they trumped up false charges and they threw him in this dank, czarist dungeon, prison. And he said that his greatest tsar, his greatest woe, when he was thrown into this place, was the fact that the Shekhinah had to be imprisoned with him and be exposed to this climate. You know, can you imagine how great he was that he wasn't thinking of himself when he was thrown under false charges into this dank hole, but was just thinking of the exile of the Shekhinah that had to be brought to this place. Amazing, amazing, amazing level. Um, And so to understand God's closeness with us right now, that the travels take place within the Aleph. It's not just an ascent to the Aleph. It's within the Aleph right now. Okay. Now I want to point out something. I want to point out something else. Something that came to me on Shabbos that blew my mind, you know. Now, again, if you look at Parshas Maseh, the, the beginning of the account of the travels begins with the first Aliyah. And actually, it ends... Um, it ends at the end of the second Aliyah. So there's an interruption between the travels. Now, there's a tradition that some shuls have. We did this yesterday. Which is... And they, 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 they allow you to do this if you want to do this. Which is not to interrupt the travels so that you do them all at once. So that all of the travels are actually encompassed within the first Aliyah. And, and that seems to me a better thing to do. That, I think, is... That, that seems spiritually more wholesome, if you will. So, anyway, I'm glad we did it that way. Just do it all at once, you know? And, um, also, it seems to me, like, when that's being read, a, a real powerful time to pray that the, the, that the journeys that you go through, that everyone's going through, should just be good and whole and, and, and successful. Um, so we get through the travels, and then the account ends... Uh, on chapter 33, uh, verse 49. Wow, awesome. Verse 49. Actually, that's really awesome. Okay, we're going to discuss more in a second. I can't believe that. Verse 49. Isn't that something? Okay. So, I'll tell you why that's uh, just not to keep, not to keep me in suspense. <laughs> I'll tell you why that's significant. There are 50 levels to heaven what we call the Shar Chamishim. And so the idea that these journeys are taking you all the way up to the 49th level is awesome. Because the 50th level, we say, is pretty much just pure godliness, right? So, so, so it's like it's bringing us all the way up. And the fact that we never arrive, we're not getting to the 50th level, you understand? Because the journey is forever. There is no closure. So, so the fact that it, it ends at the 49th is, is quite, quite interesting. Um, by the way, uh, anyway, so let's keep on going. So, so, so if you look at the first letter and the last letter of the account of the journeys, right? It begins with the letter Aleph of Ele, like we said. That's the beginning of the of the account of the, of the travels. And the Aliyah ends with this word Moab, 
It ends with the letter Vays. So, in other words, the travels begin with the letter Aleph and end with the letter Bays. So, the reason why that seemed very interesting and significant to me is that we have a very amazing mystical teaching that, that God created and destroyed many worlds before he created ours. And, and if you think that all of the, if you, if, so I would like to suggest that this, that this base, that the account of the 42 travels ends with, is the base of Breshit. It's the base of the first letter of the Torah. And that when the discussion of all of the travels begins, it starts with the letter Aleph. I would like to suggest that that's hinting at the Aleph before the Bays of Breshit. In other words, the Torah begins with the letter Bays. It doesn't begin with the letter Aleph. It begins with the second letter of the Torah, hinting at that there is a creator of the world, which is, of course, God. Now, if you factor in this idea that the world was, that, that many worlds were created and destroyed before our own, and you understand that between this olive and this base that I'm pointing out right now are all the 42 travels, I'd like to suggest on a very ridiculously deep level that this is hinting at all of the travels the world went through, all of the creations and the destructions of the world that happened before our world was created. And now, and now I want to point your attention to something else. Which is, which is, I mentioned, I mentioned to you that, that this Parsha begins with, with a reference to the four exiles. Elimaseh v'nei Yisrael, Aleph, Edom, Mem, Madai, Vez, Bavel, Yud, Yavan, Greece, right? It's, that's, that's all the travels that we've gone through. These are the exiles, right? But you know, then I was looking. I don't know why this even popped into my head. But I said to myself, you know, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that the end of this Parsha, there's no closure. It doesn't end. Our soul continues to travel through the infinite reaches of Hashem. So there should be a reference to the four exiles at the end of the Parsha too. I don't even know why I just assumed that that must be the case. And then I looked, and sure enough, if you look at the very last Pasuk in the middle, there's Hashem's name, Okay, so that's Yud, Yavan, Biyad, Beis is Bavel, Moshe, Mem is Madai, El, Aleph is Edom. So there you have it, right there at the end of the Parsha as well, all in a row, the four exiles, once again. Meaning to say, not that we're permanently in exile, it's not a negative point that I'm making. The point that I'm making is even at the end, it's talking about that the travels never stop. The travels of the soul never stop within the infinite reaches of Hashem. Alright, now look at this. What is the first Pasuk? You know, and then, interestingly, the Torah, after it talks about the travels, it talks about the borders of Israel. Now, Israel is not just an earthly construct. 
It's a, it's a heavenly construct as well. So in other words, it's talking about, if we're saying that it's talking about the soul traveling throughout the infinite reaches of Hashem, isn't it interesting that it's then talking about the borders of Israel? In other words, on a more exalted level, it's now describing the structures of the heavens. Right? Because borders aren't just, you know, your grapefruits go up to that tree, and then I'm planting olives, right? There are all sorts of borders. There are psychological borders, right? There are heavenly borders. There's all sorts of borders. So we go into a description of the heavens. Now, what is the exact verse that begins that begins after the account of the 42 travels? Alright? Because I think that's significant as well. And this is, now, listen, this is now the 50th verse, okay? And you'll, you'll hear another level to kind of how crazy it is that this is the 50th verse. By the way, you know, the chapter headings were made by non-Jewish um, printers. So the, the, the chapter numbers are not significant in terms of um, what we call darshaning, like in terms of explaining um, what, what, what's going on in terms of the dynamic of the Torah. However, the beginnings and ends of the verses of the psukim themselves were, were set out by the sages. And where a parsha begins and where the next one begins is also done by the sages. And so that's significant. So this is the 50th verse from the beginning of this Parsha, meaning to say that it has um, Torah integrity to, to mention the verse. It's not just something that um, some, some printer came up with, you know, a thousand years ago. Okay. So now, this is the 50th verse. Listen. And keep in mind that the gematria for the number 50 is the letter Nun. Okay. Hashem spoke to Moshe in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Eureka, say, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you cross into the land of Jordan, um, to the land of Canaan, oh, oh, actually, I've already, I've already gone into, I've already gone into the next verse. Okay, so, so let's hold this thought for a moment, because what I want to, what I want to discuss now, is the person who took them into, into the land of Israel. All right? And that's Yehoshua ben Nun. That's his name. Joshua, the son of Nun, the son of 50. In other words, we're going into, we're going into the land now, right? Which is this 50th verse, if you will, this, this realm of the 50th, which is the, truly the infinite reaches of, of Hashem. And, uh, and we're being shepherded by the son of Nun, Yehoshua ben Nun. And um, so, so now let's, let's just do an analysis of Yeshua for a moment. Because this is very much part and parcel with what I'm talking about, the journeys of the soul once they enter into the infinite reaches of God. Okay? That it never ends. And that's why there's no closure. And that's why it's appropriate that Yeshua ben Nun, right? The son of Nun, the son of 50, the son of infinity, if you will is the one who leads us into this next stage of our travels. Now, how did Yeshua get his name? So, so there's a teaching that I've sort of like 
struggled with for a number of years, and this is my current understanding of it. Sarah, Abraham's wife, Abraham and Sarah, they're the mother and, uh, and father of the Jewish people. Sarah, her original name was Sarai. And her, she couldn't have children. And in fact, it says in the Gomorrah that she didn't have a womb. And she didn't actually even have a womb. So it was really not going to happen. Um, Hashem changes her name, takes away the letter Yud, and gives her the letter Hey there. So Sarai now becomes Sarah. Alright? Now, the letter Yud is like the most godly letter. You know, it's the first letter of the Yud Ke Vav Ke. And she herself was like, like almost like an angel. So it, it kind of makes sense that she couldn't have children. She was almost like, she was almost like beyond that, if you will. Now the letter He, which correlates with the last He of Hashem's name, and stands for this world, and is Machus, and is a vessel, Hashem gives her the letter He, and all of a sudden she's able to be more earthbound, if you will, and produce children. So, what happened to that letter Yud? The rabbis asked this question. It's just an amazing question. In other words, instead of just letting it go, alright, look, so God changed her name, all is good, the rabbis are like, wait a second, what happened to that Yud? And I mean, I think that that in itself is an awesome question. I'll tell you why. Because, you see, we have a teaching, Rabbi Nachman talks about it, the the Lubavitcher Rebbe talks about it, this whole idea that any spiritual descent is just for the future spiritual ascent. That if we ever come down in our lives spiritually, right, it's only so that we can rise to even higher lengths. And if you think of just the physics of this, I don't know if you can see me right now, I'm bending down to jump, right? That the descent is just for the purposes of the ascent. So you see it very clearly, the mechanics of it. And all of us have different stories to tell about our own spiritual journeys. And another way of understanding it, and I heard this, Marshall, uh, the Mayor the Anayim brought it in, um, that's the Chernobyl Rebbe in his book, that, that it's like you're on, sitting on the roof of a building, and you look down and you see a diamond on the ground. And so you go down to get the diamond, but in other words, the descent is only so that you can lift things up. And God puts us in all different places. And oftentimes you have to understand that the lower you go is a sign of the higher your neshama is. Because how could it fall to such a low place if it didn't fall from a very exalted place? In other words, how did it have the velocity to reach that low place unless it was coming from a very high place? Which means that we can never afford to give up on ourselves. And that conversely, paradoxically, surprisingly, sometimes the lower we are in terms of our spirituality, the more diamonds there are, and the more Hashem is actually expecting from us. And the more opportunities that we actually have. Because we're now dwelling in an area, and dealing with people in an area, that God has selected us to reach, that only we can reach. So, so one should never give up on themselves. And that, and that every fall is actually just a unique opportunity 
to do more unique fixing and more unique work and more, more importantly, unique uplifting of those around us, especially ourselves. Okay. So now, that's what I'm suggesting the rabbis are asking in terms of what happened to the Yud. You're saying the Yud got turned into a hay? This heavenliness got turned into earthliness? Okay, so we know now she's giving children and everything like that. But what about those spiritual levels that she had attained? Where did those go? Do you hear the question they're asking? So that's why they want to know what happened to the Yud. And they answer, you know where the Yud You know where the Yud went? The Yud went to Yehoshua. Because if you look at his name before he goes into the land of Israel to spy it out, right? In other words, this most treacherous part of the journey out of Egypt, oddly enough, was not escaping the greatest military power of the ancient world, because God was running that. Right? Seas were splitting, plagues were happening, pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, bulletproof clouds were surrounding us. I mean, we were okay with that part, even though it seems on just a narrative level very treacherous. But once God puts the last step in our hands, and we've got to enter into the land, then all of a sudden it becomes this like psychological quagmire. Can we actually enter into the land? Are we strong enough? Once God puts it into our hand, the whole thing falls apart. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So, that's the whole chapter with the spies. So, you know, Hoshea is going in there, and Moshe, that's Moshe's guy, right? That's Moshe's number two, who takes over for Moshe. Moshe gives him this blessing. He says, I'm changing your name to Yehoshua. In other words, all of this heavenly protection, all these levels that Sarah achieved, right, got put right onto Yehoshua. And he becomes Yehoshua. But now I want you to now understand the idea of Yehoshua bin Nun. Right? Because it's got this Yud of the, you know, that classically of the Yud Ke Vav Ke, meaning to say this, this letter which connotes the highest levels of spirituality. And he's Yehoshua ben Nun, the son of 50, the son, the, 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 the inheritor, if you will, or the shepherd too, this level of 50, these infinite reaches. And now he's our guide. He's our guide into the land, meaning to say, into the next stage of the soul's journey through the infinite reaches of Hashem. So, so it's, since, since he correlates with this 50th level, since he correlates with the soul's journey, eternal journeys, it makes sense that he has this letter Yud attached to him, since he's guiding us through, through godliness itself. Um, so, so, thank God. You know, I, I want you to call this, this, this idea that the, that the journey is the destination. And, and we'll just, we'll just kind of, just kind of finish with that, and I just want to tell you a quick story on that, but, you know, if, if we don't understand what, what our lives are, it can just breed frustration and depression 
and anger. But if we understand that that we're on a journey and that this journey never ends and that God, who's infinitely creative and never stops coming up with new things and changing things like, like, like a kaleidoscope, which is constantly turning and the landscape is constantly becoming new. And God says, how are you going to react in this situation? How are you going to react in that situation? How are you going to react in this situation? Every day is new. Every moment is new. And it never stops. It never stops. It gets more blissful. (laughs) But it never stops. And this is the harder part. But it will never stop. Even when our soul ascends, we're just going to climb reaches of godliness and it's never, ever, ever going to stop. So our job is just to be nice. (laughs) I mean... It's crazy. I heard Rabbi Green pointed out. He said, you know, our greatest Torah scholars, if you, if, you, if you ask the average man about them, what will they say? And he was talking about what he's observed in terms of contemporary people. You know, you go up to the average person and they, they'll ask you about this great sage and the person will say, oh, he's so nice. <laughs> he has such a great smile. They're crazy, you know. Again, in the words of Rabbi Green, these are people with brains the size of planets, Right? And, and, yet, and yet, what does it boil down to in the end? In the end, what does it boil down to? Are you, are you trying to help someone, right? Are you, are you smiling? Are you, are you saying, saying it in the nicest way possible? And if there is ultimately no purpose to saying it, why even say it, right? So once we understand that our lives basically, right now and forever our travels, then it just like, it just kind of reorients ourselves, you know? And it just, you know, we're going to get to this next stage. Right now we're, 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 we're building up to Tishabov. And we even know that Tishabov, the date itself, is going, is going through a travel. It's going through a journey right now, right? Right now it's like, it's a fast day, it's the saddest day of the year by far. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to become this great holiday. Even the day itself is going to become a holiday. And, and I want to conclude with two things. A quick story and then just one note about Yehoshua. One final note about Yehoshua. Okay? The story is this. It's a famous story. It's told about the Chofetz Chaim. Chofetz Chaim was obviously one of our, our greatest, greatest rabbis. And um, he lived a very spare life, didn't have a lot of material possessions. And yet he had the reputation of really being, you know, you know, maybe the greatest, holiest person among the Jewish people. A rich man, a rich Jewish man, was traveling through where he lived and wanted to meet him. And so he came to his house and he looked at his house and he was like, like he said to him, where's all your stuff? And the Chobetz Chaim says back to him, where's all your stuff? And he said, well, I'm just passing through. And so the Chofetz Chaim said, so am I. Right? So again, that, that consciousness. And then let me just finish with one last teaching, something that I noticed. If you look at the name Yehoshua, right? Now it's spelled Yud, Hey, Vav. Right? 
And so what's, what's missing the last He? And so we can all be the last He by coming together, right? Because He, we said, is that vessel. To make ourselves individually and collectively and as a world globally into that vessel to hold and reveal the light of Hashem and the oneness of God. Okay. Happy travels.